Before we get into another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast, we want to say thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate your prayers, support, and encouragement. We also want to send a special thanks to our monthly financial partners. We could not do what we do without you. We have been able to equip college students at historically black colleges and universities and facilitate seminars for pastors and leaders because of your financial support. If the Jude 3 Project has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a monthly partner. No gift is too small or large, whether you give one time or monthly. We appreciate it. You can give online at jude3project.com by hitting the donate button or by mail by sending your gift to Jude 3 Project at P.O. Box 26206, Jacksonville, Florida, 32226. Thanks again. Now let's join the Jude 3 Project podcast. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Jew 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. Well, thank you for watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And today I'm joined by a very special guest who's no stranger to the Jew 3 Project, um, Dr. Eric Mason. Welcome, Dr. Mason. Hey, Lisa. How you doing? Glad to be on here. Good to have you. I'm excited to have you back. You've done several uh, Jude 3 podcasts before. Um, so uh, good to have you back. For those who don't know you, um, give them just a little bit of background. Yeah, Eric Mason, husband of one wife, four kids, um, pastor uh, Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, and uh, and or, run an organization called Thriving. We and uh, our church, we planted like 33 churches. Epiphany Fellowship has over the last six years across the world, all the way from Malawi, Africa to South Central LA. So God has been good. And author of four books. One just came out, Woke Church. So excited to talk about that yes and um so before i guess we can really just dive into the new book uh, what inspired you to write it y'all <laughs> <laughs> um i really I, I to be honest i didn't necessarily have a vision to write a book about race i mean of course i have i had some other books in line that i wanted to write and so as things started happening starting in 2012 Everything with, you know, from Trayvon Martin to all the way to 2014, the other issues that happened with Eric Garner, um, Tamir Rice, and Sandra Bland. And then the divisiveness that you felt from a group of Christians who happened to be white and a few, a very, very few African-Americans who tried to act like race isn't an issue anymore and those type of things. So I ended up doing a, um, for my people, not even for no internet, but for my people, did a, a series called Woke Church. And, and and loved I love the idea of the word woke because it's such a biblical term because we, the Bible talks about awake, sleep, and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I, I mean, it just doesn't get any more woke than Christ awakening you. And so I, I basically did a series on the fact that Christians should be the wokest people on the planet uh, because he awakens us to the reality of everything that's right and true and just through the power of the gospel. So to me, it was, it was an easy deal. After I did the... the um, 
series, people at my church were like, Pastor, you really need to do a book on this. And I was like, really? And so we ended up, I was doing things with Thriving, as you know, we were doing video series and we ended up picking up the Urban Apologetics, listening to you and, you and what you're doing and listening to Jerome and different people who are engaging these issues in varying forms. I said, maybe we can, we can use a book. And I didn't realize when I started writing, I had so much that I'd loaded up with uh, that I was ready to write. And so that's sort of how the book came about. So tell us the difference between how how your woke differs from the woke. You you talked about it a little bit, but the woke that the culture kind of talks about. Yeah, I received a teeny bit of pushback from a few marginalized Christian thought, rather not the people themselves, but their thought, just on the, having a problem with the word woke. I, I mean, I think we redeem words all the time. We redeem concepts, even like, you know, church isn't corporate, but they a bunch of churches read the book good to great and they use the hedgehog principle from the book like and the bible doesn't have hedgehog principle in it that's a purely corporate term you know um but they redeem the principle to say hey hedgehog principle is what the what is the core thing that you're about producing and i can say we can of course you can redeem that right mm-hmm. so i think woke one of the things that you know for me the word woke um just really means for us being comprehensively aware with christ a, a, a Christ-centered eyes that has anthropological, sociological, political, economic, and ethnic awareness. I mean, in, in order to do contextualization, you have to know what's going on in the world, yet you have to know biblically what the Bible says about it and what it does, is a tr- what the Bible can do to answer that particular thing. So for me, when it comes to being woke, it's not, it's not some, you know, some, some, ethnocentric sort of uh, revolutionary ideology that I'm utilizing. It is revolutionary, but revolutionary ideology that's centered on ethnic-centered ideologies like a um, black nationalism, if you will. That's not, that's not what it is. Um, woke actually didn't even start with black nationalism. It started with pan-Africanism. Um, it started uh, with the father, with W.E.B. Du Bois' father, in the uh, father in the faith, um, Alexander Crummel, forgot the other brother's name. They they were Christian uh, Christians who actually started Pan Africanism as a way to engage the the African diaspora with the gospel. And so from there, W. E. B. Du Bois wrote about Crummel in Souls of Black Folk, and in Souls of Black Folk, he talks about double consciousness, which is a sociological theory that I believe can connect with Romans chapter one in relation to general revelation. There are things that you can learn. And know to do right and wrong by being born in the image of God that you can do that you can. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to be saved to know uh, to to um, to raise your children. Right. You don't have to be saved, you know, to to know to go vote. You don't have to be you know, you don't have to be saved to say, man, I need to go to work. That's just that's human. That's general revelation stuff. But we, we want to use general revelation to point to God. So we say, yeah, woke is a good word. But by itself, it's it's not good. So we need to point in general revelation to, to the one who it's actually pointing to, which is the living God, which you got that from God actually through you being born in the image of God, letting you know that justice is a reality, whether you're saved or not. But we upgrade it and say Christ is the one who will bring ultimate justice in the Exodon. But until then and already not yet, we can now play a role in developing and being a godly witness by loving God, but then also 
loving our neighbor and challenging the structures and governments uh, and systems uh, to reflect God's ends. And that's the same thing they do with abortion. That's the same thing, you know, they do with so many other sex trafficking. Uh, you know, the I, I feel like the woke word pulls for particularly white people, some white people, not all, but the ones who give pushback with the word woke, it's, it's all rooted in white fragility. You know, um, when you break down when you when you really wade through things with because there are other justice things that you're cool with that you'll even say is an implication of the gospel but as soon as i say racial injustice now that's not no nah, there's no such thing as race and, it's, and i'm like what are you talking about and so so again the, the word woke is so important i love the word i think it's an amazing amazing word that describes what we can practically be for the world yeah Mm -hmm. Taking some of the culture and pointing them to to Christ is what Paul did at Mars Hill with the unknown God. Yes, ma'am. Um, yes, so that's essentially what you're doing. Um, when when we think about uh, just the social injustice that's happening um, in our country, how can the black church uh, or churches that seek to empower uh, the African-American community um, be engaged? Wow. I think one of the things that um, the, I, I love the black church, I'm a product of the black church. I do keep hearing from the unredeemed woke crowd that they feel like for them, the black church isn't as engaged in the plight of black dignity as it was over 40 years ago. Um, and I think there are some ways that we can probably own that. And I, I would say a lot of ways we can own that. One of the things that I think is just very, very important is uh, we, we have to return to knowing our communities again. I think that there are a lot of pastors cross ethnically that um, really we've a lot of churches nowadays built their. Their stuff more on getting sheep from other churches until we get desperate and then we do evangelism because we want to get people, not because of the mission of the great commission that's cross ethnically. That's not just the blacks. I'm just talking about everybody. So I think, I think one of the things, you know, one of the things I talk about in my book about, you know, engaging the issues that are going on in our day is I start with being aware. I think our awareness isn't the same or we become apathetic in our awareness. And so I think a big, a big part of the church being reengaged in issues in the culture is, is, is being aware and caring about what you find in your awareness. Because I think a lot of us would know that there's racism, particularly the black church. But the question is, have we become apathetic in the struggle and basically like, hey, we're just going to have revivals. We're just going to have conferences. We're just going to build buildings and we'll we'll build a school. We'll we'll do a food pantry. We'll we'll, we'll do. But I don't know. If we're going to say we're, now we're going to speak prophetically to the systems and begin to engage it. Now, one of the things that black church has done so well that it doesn't get credit for is this sent more educated missionaries in the culture to change it than any sector of the Christian church. Um, when you look at everything from presidents to political systems, to education, uh, to, to DA's offices, even though the black church uh, in church, particularly in that context, didn't necessarily overtly do as a movement what it did, it actually did disciple people enough to go into different systems and change and challenge education and do different things. But I think from there, you go from awareness and uh, then acknowledging, uh, and this applies to both black and white churches, acknowledging that something's wrong and acknowledging what those wrongs are, going from that and then being held accountable to do something about it. Uh, because it's not enough to be aware 
and and you know and, and acknowledge that something's wrong now you got to be held accountable based on the scriptures to say now jesus says you know the bible talks about seek the peace of the city the bible talks about you know what i'm saying jesus talks about you tithe mint you tithe cumin but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law justice mercy you know and so all of those uh, uh, you know walking humbly with your God, let justice roll down like water. Um, you've regretted the fast that I desire type stuff. So holding ourselves accountable and then going from there to action. And so from there, beginning developing action plans, not for everything, but choosing a few things that you want to put your hand to the plow really strongly in to be something where I proclaim the gospel through, but I also practice the gospel through. And so you'll see that in Titus 3 where he says, teach our people to meet pressing needs in order that they may not be found unfruitful. That's my favorite verse on like activism, because I think when you look at the whole Titus chapter three from verse one all the way down, it's in the context of engaging the city because verse two says uh, verse one says serve your city, serve the authorities of your city. And then it uses the gospel as the mechanism that motivates us as God being the ultimate philanthropist in, in his motivation to save us. And so let the gospel motivate us in fruitful gospel actions of good works in our city. So that, for me, that's, that's where the framework comes from and that's where it goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I like how you broke that down. I think um, I know in um, Raphael Warnock's book, the divided mind of the black church, he talks about yeah. tension where black churches either focus on the slavery of sin or the sin of slavery. Mm, and, mm, mm, mm. and it seems like for your framework and me watching your ministry that you want us to do both. Uh, that personal piety is important, but seeking justice um, is important as well. Speaking against yeah. people, not not jettisoning the fact that you have to live, uh, as my mom say, holiness is still right. Um, <laughs> um, explain how those two work together and that we shouldn't um, jettison either side of those. Well, um, personal piety really alone I mean, we see from the monastic community, you know, those who retreated from culture, you know, it didn't work. You know, they thought, well, if we retreat from culture, we'll just not be a part of it. But in, in, in American Christianity, we do have a form of public monasticism by which we basically pursue piety. We do women's book studies, men's book studies, and it's all about my soul and my family. And we become extremely ingrown. Those things are important. But they're supposed to be builders and motivators and equipping mechanisms to be able to re reproduce that in the world. So I think in the Bible, like in, in America, we're didactic. The Bible is more symphonic than it is didactic. It, it, like the things that we parse out, make charts out of, the Bible sort of makes it two sides of the same coin. So what I, I'll give you an example. The, word, the same word in the Old Testament and the New Testament for righteousness is the same word for justice context just lets you know how to be translated or it can be a double entendre in a context that lets you know both are 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 are, are being in in the mind of the writer in that particular place i'll give you an example when you talk about um you know th this whole idea of righteousness points to intrinsic good um, and justice in that same word, extrinsic action. In, in other words, intrinsic piety, extrinsic justice, action, commitment, application, transformation type stuff. And so when you even see Jesus talk about 
the word. He's using the word that means that has that two sided sort of meaning. Um, and so I think that it's very, very important that we understand that the righteous justice has within it the framework of us pursuing God, pursuing holiness, pursuing the means of grace to help us to grow prayer. We get in the word. We get in biblical community, local church, under spiritual authority. Um, if you want to include church discipline, all those different things are mechanisms for holiness, suffering mechanism for holiness, marriage mechanism for holiness, godly singlehood mechanism for holiness, so forth and so on. Right. But then you have to say, OK, instead of being an ingrown toenail, this should motivate me to now. That's what the B attitudes is about. B attitudes that Jesus preached. It was both intrinsic and extrinsic, you know, um, because that's why he said, blessed are the peacemakers. So it, it's because 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 spiritual formation should always find its way into practically showing off that fruit in the earth. So I think that's very, very important. Yes. And, and I loved how you mentioned um, church um, attendance and being submitted to um, a local church and attending a local church, because in this, in our culture, when we, when we become woke, uh, we, we feel like we're too woke for church. <laughs> absolutely. 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 That I think is important. Yeah. Um, that you be that no matter how much information you have or access to information through podcasts or anything, you yeah. should be committed to a local church. And I know Absolutely. that's one of your heartbeats as a pastor, um, that people that it being woke also means attending the church. Um, Amen. Amen. What other things would you uh like to share with our audience about your book? Um, when we think about people are struggling with this term that some some white evangelicals have said, if you're so, if you're into justice, you're Marxist, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is so extreme. Um, uh, does your book address that kind of? In, in the world? Yes and no. I think it's a few things that we need to um, understand. When people say Marxism, I'll ask them, "Have you read the works of Marx or Karl Marx, or have you read them through?" A, a white evangelical who was interpreting what Marx said. Now, they talk about the word woke, but the idea of cultural Marxism actually comes from a guy in the 1980s that took the culture of the ideology from the 20s up to the eight, up to the 70s and coined the word cultural Marxism as a as a racism as a race card flag. Basically, every time you do, do, bring racism, they, that's their card for the anti-race flag, right? And so but when you even when they talk about social gospel, I'm like, now have you actually read James Cone? I mean, not James Cone. That's Black Liberation. Have you ever have you read Rushenbush, like Walter Rushenbush, um, who wrote the definitive work on the social gospel, so that you can understand what he's saying and where it comes from, and what's his what's his thought on regeneration? Have you have you have you read uh, Gustavo Gutierrez? Have you have you have you read him? I know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, it's, it's, so have you read, you know, um, Gustavo Gutierrez, who's the father of modern day liberation theology? Have you even read James Cone, God of the Oppressed, to see where black liberation theology comes from? What's the culture? Even if you don't agree with the framework, you can still say, man, there's stuff in here that I think that's important. Have you read the cross and the lynching tree? And understand what he talks about. In, in, in when you begin asking those types of questions of people, and they're like, "No, nah, I haven't read it." So, how are you throwing these terms 
ethnic Gnosticism, which is, I mean, I'm just like, do, like, do y'all know where y'all getting these terms from, this development of it from? And so one of the things I really challenge people with is that's how I know it's white fragility because it doesn't come from research. It just comes from, oh, I don't want to talk about race. So let me figure out a way to find some things to throw at people to basically um, uh, mark them in that particular way. And so I really don't, to be honest, Lisa, I don't really pay attention to people who are acting like race doesn't exist because it's a waste of time. But what I do is I partner with brothers and sisters in Christ cross ethnically who are actually committed to saying, okay, this exists, or I'm not sure this feels a particular way with me. I have some issues with this, but can you help me through it? That's different than saying, oh, Lisa Fields, you're, you're, you're an ethnic Gnostic. That's, that's cultural Marxism. It's like, you don't even know what that means. You got that off of Google. And so, um, and so I think it's very, very important to understand when you talk about socialism, when you talk about justice, justice isn't socialism. Talking about equality isn't socialism. That's Imago Dei. You know? And so we're not talking about equal distribution of wealth. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about giving people equal opportunity to earn on the same level so that everybody can build wealth equally. You can't redline black people out of neighborhoods and stop them from getting loans and then say that that's cultural Marxism, that you're asking for them to have an equal opportunity to get a loan. That's injustice. That's that's what James and that's what Proverbs calls partiality, which we get. Uh, that's where we pull the principle of racism from. The word does the Bible doesn't use the word racism. It uses the word partiality, which racism is a form of partiality, which also is injustice. So we talk. So so we say all of that to say, you know, that's why we need to really be like. And this shows how um, anemic our discipleship is, because I think Lisa, one of the solutions I think is a huge solution is we have to teach race. Um, ra racial injustice in our new members classes, in our Bible studies as a funder, like we got to teach justice as a, as one of those core Christian doctrines that, that that's a very, very important doctrine that every believer should be re-educated because we're so badly educated in America we're educated from a purely Western European perspective which and, and triumphalistic Americanism which then becomes a challenge when you're trying to talk to somebody about racism and they have been clouded from the holistic history of America, then you're sounding like a conspiracy theorist because they they weren't educated in the holistic picture of how the good in America and the horrific parts of America. I think it's very, very important. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I can see that it's basically the, the miseducation of, of our, or of some of our white brothers and sisters when they talk about the problem of evil, this in apologetics. And the first example, the only example they'll use when they come to America is abortion. Wow. Um, and then they'll talk about the problem of evil and they go to Hitler. Yeah. And it never crosses their mind that slavery is a part of the, the evils. Uh, I think they know it, but it's just like in the forefront, the only evil that America is guilty of is yeah. abortion. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing is, is there's been a lot of, I, I mean, I got a book. I, 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 would, I don't feel like pulling off my shelf, but I got I, I bought some books from like the 1800s of how well America was trained by Christians. This is written by Christians. Basically, to basically justify slavery, um, the level of sociological, theological, anthropological manipulation 
I mean, it's just like, man, it's so ingrained in them that slavery isn't a wrong thing. And when you got somebody like Doug Wilson come out and say, you know, Christian reform dude, Christianity, uh, no, relations between blacks and whites was at its best in the Jim Crow South and in slavery between blacks and whites. This is like, and nobody, and I mean, it's like somebody literally would say that and the Christians would still not publicly rebuke that type of racist rhetoric. And the guy called himself a pay, a pedo confederate, which, you know, and just that type of philosophy. So basically you're a Christian man living today that says I need to be resubjugated. I mean, and so Anyway, I say all that to say I think it's very, very important. But 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 they coming after me for the word woke, but they're not coming after that guy for saying we were better in relationships when we were subjugated. And again, this is a minority. It's I mean, to be honest, I've been so encouraged. Like over I've been overwhelmingly encouraged by most African Americans, most whites. I mean, people are buying stacks of the book and giving them out like pastors saying, Yo, man, I'm, I want to give it to my church. I want my entire church to go through it. I want my leadership team to go through it. Uh, and so it's been, to be honest, it's been more positive than it has been negative. So it's just, it's just been great. And I've been really encouraged by the support and opportunity to get the resource out. So as many, I mean, it just went in the second print yesterday. So it's just kind of like, wow, they ran out and had to go in the second print, which shows you that people are grabbing it and, utilizing it as a tool, which that's what the goal of the resource is. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So what other things would you uh, want to tell our audience about the book um, that we haven't mentioned? Yeah. 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 I think one of the things that we need to do is we need to revise our history, you know, as Christians, we need to revise our American history and we need to revise our Christian history. And one of the things I talk about in the book is I, I say, you know, um, we need to understand that when people say, let's not look at the past, it's kind of like, nope, God doesn't even do that. God would always tell Israel, remember I brought you out of Egypt, how bad it was, right? And I brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand, right? Um, God always talks about the past. I mean, Jesus quoted scripture, which is in the past on the cross. So, you know, so um, one of the things that I think is important is that we have a a right view of the past so that we can understand where we are and how we got to where we are right now as believers. I think that's the biggest fallacy in the church right now is we don't agree on how we got to today and where all of this came from and all of the particular things. It's a lot of Christians that don't even know. I mean, not, not a lot of Christians, black and white Christians that doesn't even know about the issue in the Greenwood section of Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, with, um, with, um, with black uh, wall street. And I remember I was telling that story. These white folk were bawling their eyes out. They said, I had never heard of Black Wall Street. I went and spoke at this church. I'm not going to say the city. And I ended, and I was going to speak on race. And I ended up looking up their racial history. It's like in the Midwest. And I looked up their racial history. And I couldn't believe that in this one place, the, the people lynched these black men on the Saturday before Easter Sunday. Mm went to church, brought their families out, took pictures with their bodies, with their with their Easter clothes on, with their children, took pieces of, of, of their members and their body parts and stuff as souvenirs of the lynching. You know, mm -hmm. you know, and you just like, you're like, that's your history. Like, 
that you try to bury. And so why are we looking at that? And so I think it's important because we need to be on the same ecological timeline. This is why black people don't trust white people, period. This is why black people don't trust the police. You know, slave patrols, Virginia, it spread. Police forces started out of slave patrol. We started as those who you guarded from getting out of slavery. So when walking the beat comes from basically slave patrols walking the beat when they would patrol the perimeter of the plantations to make sure the slaves would leave. So when a black person generationally has that key, I can go on and on and on. And so I'm just saying all of that to say with the book, I, I go through a section where we talk about just just some basic little history items for people to say, uh, to open them up for more study, dialogue, discussion, emotive response. And I, and I included a lament section in here. But I think that we need to include, like Sung Chan Ra says, lament in our worship so that we can take our time to pause and really grieve the the sinful nature of what has happened in this country and what's happened between us and what's been the cause of our divide so that there can be viable Nehemiah chapter one repentance and a turn towards a better world for us all. So that, that's my passion because I'm not just, and, and this is, again, this is the last thing. I don't want us to just talk about bad stuff and stay in a non-redemptive state. Like, you know, you're, you're black, white people, you're in a hole you can never get out of. Just know that you're going to feel unforgiveness for the rest of your life from black people. That's not the gospel. Right. Um, but the goal is to say, hey, we're going to we're going to have a lifestyle of working through these issues. You understanding our trauma and us having to work through your ignorance. And so and then us brothers and sisters of Christ working towards the goal of being able to see these things redeemed in our practical relationships with one another, which I think is so important. Yes, that it, it is. It's, it's necessary if we're going to have some kind of whether you call it reconciliation or conciliation together. Um, I find it an obstacle uh, with people uh, when we talk about reconciliation is that people don't know how to reconcile, period. So mm, I, mm, I, I mm. spoke at an event and I said, when was the last time you reconciled with somebody that's not your family and that's not romantic? Wow. And most wow. people had no no time. Wow. Wow. They, it's like we're telling people to do something and they don't have the tools to do it because they yeah. don't reconcile in platonic relationships. Yeah, um, they just jettisoned them. Um, yeah, wow, wow, wow. So, how can people uh, get your book? Everywhere. I mean, it's at Barnes and Noble. It's at Moody. Uh, it's at it's it's at the Lifeway stores. It's at Amazon. It's at Christian Book Distribution. It's everywhere. They've done a great job getting it everywhere. I heard it's even in Walmart. So it's everywhere. Oh, that's what that's that's dope. Of <laughs> I know you had. Uh, I think you had a, I saw a copy. There it is. Yeah. Nice cover as well. Thank so, you, thank you, thank you. How, how can people get in contact with you on social media and a website for, uh, I know when this airs, the Frequency Conference that's going to happen tomorrow uh, will have already transpired. But for those who want to stay connected with your ministry, um, how can they do that? Yeah, so pastoremace.com. Uh, all my stuff is on there. You can go to wokechurchbook.com, epiphanyfellowship.org. So E-P-I-P-H-A-N-Y fellowship.org. And you can um, you can get connected with me in different ways. You can listen to sermons on podcasts on Epiphany Fellowship podcast. And uh, you can also pick up my other books. They're on Amazon Manhood Restored, Be God to the Punch, Unleashed. We got curriculum with those as well. 
I um, also got some stuff on Right Now Media. Oh, I got some big stuff next year coming down the pike. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. And you can check out some of our, uh, our, our, our Woke Church video series on YouTube through Thriving uh, Thriving's uh, YouTube uh, signature on YouTube. Awesome. Dope. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Mason, for joining us again uh, on the G3 Project podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well so thank you so much for tuning in also remember we have our bible engagement app in partnership with back to the bible to help you get better engaged in the bible every single day you take a survey it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you bible verses based on those so it's a great app you can download the app by searching in your app store or google play searching g3 project and it'll be right there for you so thank you again remember if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver you can do so on our website or by mail just go to g3project.com hit that donate tab and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online we appreciate you and i'm so so thankful for you God bless. And remember, here at the Jupe 3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.